Welcome to the podcast that showcases the rural town careers and opportunities you need to know about. Welcome to What's Your 9 to 5. Hey everybody, welcome back to the What's Your 9 to 5 podcast. I'm Georgia. And I'm Karis, and today we're interviewing Marg from the Hanover Community Players. How are you? Oh, I am pretty good, thanks for an old lady. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start by saying, what is your 9 to 5? Um, well, my role in Hanover Community pay- Players was, uh, first of all, as a, one of the founders of the group back in 2006, and um, along with Pat uh, Bruner, the two of us. Uh, after that, we sort of talked about it, and then we uh, put some information in the paper asking people to show up, and they did. And we eventually got a constitution and everything, and uh, I became chair uh, it was supposed to be a two-year position, but uh, I finally finished after 15 years. But we started putting on plays in 2007, and we've been doing two a year ever since. Oh, cool. I'm, not, I'm no longer uh, the chair. Finally, somebody else has taken it over, so I can take a little bit more of a back seat. And, uh, but I will still, I still am on the board and I still have some things that I like to do. I like to build props and paint and things like that. So I'm, I'm staying involved. And how- um, so what is your favorite thing about theater? Why do you love it so much? Hmm. Good question. Um, I, I, that uh, a number of times and, because I, I did teaching as my second career. Um, and uh, I went into university as a mature student because I, uh, I'd been out of school for about eight years. Um, and my first job was teaching at uh, JDSS up here in Hanover, because that's where the job was. So I was teaching phys ed in English. And a good friend, uh, Nancy Lilliman, um, you know, got me interested in doing the musical Bye Bye Birdie. And uh, I started doing props and I learned all kinds of things about the backstage technical kinds of things of theater. And I found out that um, it's very much a team effort. And growing up, I was always involved in teams, team sports. And uh, even, you know, into my uh, 40s, I was still playing ice hockey and, and stuff like that. So it's the team aspect of it that draws me to it. And it wasn't until I did that musical that I really found out that I really do kind of like theater. It sort of fits with what uh, my personality is and organization and things like that. So um, I quite, I've quite enjoyed it having my hands in all kinds of little pots and making things work. Yeah. Um, a lot of your plays appear to be original pieces. Can you tell me who creates them and why did you choose to do original pieces? Well, actually, only one of those plays is an original piece. Um, Dumped way back was written by two um, high school English teachers at JDSS, uh, Bruce Eiserman and Doug Abel. That's the only uh, one that we've done that uh, was actually created. All of the other ones that we have are uh, from scripts that uh, we purchase because, of course, like everything, you cannot put on a a play without paying for the rights and the license, which uh, you have to have in order to in order to do it. So um, 
we've uh, always been on the lookout for people who are writing their own plays in this area and actually the play that we're doing called Splitsville, which will open April 29th, is a locally written play. It was uh, written by Linda Lloyd McKenzie uh, of Paisley, and she's also directing it. So it's in rehearsal right now. But uh, those are the only two that are actually um, done here. Now, we have done some Canadian plays, um, but uh, we tend to just search the internet and things like that. I mean, as, as I was waiting for you guys to come on. I was sitting here reading a play. <laughs> um, we, George and I went to see Little Red Riding Hood recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that, did you guys like make that, change the story yourself or was that like already and already made? No, that that is, uh, it's called a panto, short for pantomime. It's not mine, it's pantomime. It, it's a British tradition. And it's from a script that uh, we purchased from England um, because England is very big on doing uh, pantos around Christmas. Now, uh, other places in Canada do pantos like uh, St. Jacob's and that. Um, So that was a written script. And one of the things you have to be aware of when you um, purchase the license is that you cannot change it. Um, The only thing you can do, there are stage directions in it, as in most plays, but those are the stage directions from the first person who ever did the play. Uh, you can change the stage directions, which is, you know, where you go off, where you come on and things like that, but you cannot change the words. You have not got the right because it's all copyrighted. And so that's the thing with Little Red Riding Hood and all of the plays that we do. We have to be very careful that we stick to the script that we've got Uh, or we're in trouble because we sign a contract and we pay a lot of money for those royalties and licenses. Um, Royalties and licenses can cost us anywhere from, you know, $600 to put on six shows, which is very cheap, running into thousands. Now we've just done the budget for um, the shows for 2022 and um a regular show a play like we're doing now putting on by the time you do all of the um publicity and theater like uh um, facility rental rights and royalties and all of the things costumes everything comes in about twenty thousand dollars and you've got to recoup that in your ticket prices a musical uh i've budgeted uh, oliver which is the one we're doing in december and we're actually going to do eight shows for that one. I budgeted that one out that it's uh, plus $40,000 to do it. So you can see why we have to uh, really make sure we publicize it and we get people in seats. We call it bums in seats in theater. So that's the big thing. So no, none, none of that was changed. The only thing we did, of course, was change how, how the uh, stage looked because the stage was too small for the number of people that were on it. And so we built the stage out and of course we built all the uh, or we have all of the flats and things like that so that's how we do it and i'm just wondering can you do you pick the music you use in the plays or do you have to use ones that they um provide as well no the the music that uh you will hear is uh not provided with any play um with the exception of something like a big broadway musical like bye bye birdie oklahoma um Oliver, 
what comes out is what they call the libretto, which is the music for the cast to start to learn it. And um, then there's the conductor score, which goes to the music director. The artistic director has the conductor score. The stage manager has the score and it's all there. And you have to, um, you have to go with that music. You are allowed to change some of it. You do have the right, you know, if you have to shorten your show or something like that. Music with any of the other plays is the director's choice. The director says, well, I'd like music here to set the mood. You know, music sets the mood. And um, so they will choose some songs or some music that lends itself to the play. And uh, so sometimes you'll hear that. And then when you go, come into a theater and when you go out, out of a theater, you uh, hear something, what we call walk-in music. And that's the music that's played. And it's just a compilation of music that has something to do with the show. Um, I think you probably heard some, a song about the big bad wolf and things like this. And it sort of set the mood. So um, we've got a really good guy who's actually a karaoke um, uh businessman and he has all of this music and he put it all together so we were really lucky about that and uh, we were also very lucky uh, in that uh, between he and uh, the fellow that was running the lighting they both just sat at the back and they were running it all from computer and of course me being old school um, I'm used to tape decks and stuff like this but I'm blown away by what they can do with the sound effects Splitsville will have some music, but it'll have a lot of sound effects because it takes place in a bowling alley. And he's mm -hmm. already got the sound effects together so that because the cast has got to uh, work with the sound effects. So so all of that comes together under the uh, sound designer and the director as to what they want. Yeah, I remember um, in the Little Red Riding Hood play, there was a song from Enchanted and I remember it playing and I was like, oh my goodness. And I was just so like excited for it. I was like singing yeah. along. Yeah. I also heard Party Rock Anthem, which was fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we especially with the uh, shows that are on at Christmas, which are aimed at family and at kids. Um, we like to have music that, you know, young people like and are familiar with and can sing along um the one the show oliver that we're doing in december even though it is a big broadway musical it's got a number of kids in it but it has some music that everybody will know the music as soon as they hear it yeah. um there's a commercial on tv for what pet smart i'll do anything for you it comes from oliver oh wow, oh, wow. Um, did you always want to be in theater? And like, what steps did you take to reach where you are um, as a part of the Hanover Community Players? Um, I think I would say that after I got the bug in, uh, in uh, 1981, that yes, I've always wanted to be in theater, but of course I was teaching, I was doing all the other stuff and uh, I started working with Grey Bruce Singers, which is how I got into lighting and things like this. Um, so the idea of, um, you know, getting into theater is to volunteer. One of the, the, I mean, the big thing about Hanover Community Players is it's run completely by volunteers. Nobody, nobody gets paid. 
I, obviously all the actors are volunteers and um, Hanover Community Players is a teaching vehicle because, you know, people just audition and they may never have been on stage before. And uh, so that's the kind of thing, but volunteering is the best way. Um, for myself, over my 34 years of theater involvement, I volunteered with the Singer Tree and Symphony in the Barn, um, which it did opera, which I'd never done before. <laughs> and I don't read music, uh, churches and things like this. And so I improved all my skills and that. And as I got a little bit more into it, I started taking courses. And there are courses out there that uh, are open to young people. You don't have to go to university right off the bat or anything like this. Um, off the wall, um, it's Stratford Artists Alliance, Off the Wall. I've been going there for about uh, the past seven or eight years. And they offer courses to people uh, 14 years of age and up. So they're looking at the high school student uh, and um, and they teach you prop making, faux food, which is fake food, uh, props, um, uh, set building. You know, I've taken two, two uh, units of carpentry and learned how to build set. If anybody ever goes to the Stratford Perth Museum, you'll see uh, uh, a facsimile uh, stage of the Stratford Theater. We built that this summer, a whole bunch of us. So it's courses and uh, volunteering that uh, keeps you going along and, and getting you into theater. And um, one of the things we like to do is we take, uh, we're willing to take anybody from grade seven up in as stage crew. And they started out working backstage and as they show us commitment and that they really want to do it, they can move themselves up. And I did this particularly with the Grey Bruce Singers. I started it with them and um, what they eventually were able to do, because I, I would get uh, young people who would stay with us for five and six years and they would actually run the shows themselves in the theater. They, because uh, I wanted to, I started to sing with the Grey Bruce Singers in 2000. And the deal was that as long as I've got people who can run the show, I can sing. So I made sure I had people who could run the show. I had high school students running the backstage, running the lighting and everything. And um, I sang. So that show was done all by high school students who had learned how to do it. And it's because they stayed and they learned the things and um i we still want to do that we're still uh still needing backstage crew and then you become front stage crew and things like that now i not sure that i've answered your question because i got <laughs> off on a tangent here bring me back um, just, um sorry it was just <laughs> so good um it was just like what steps did you take to like get to your position um, at the Hanover Community Players? Well, as I said, I, I you know, I was part of the group and I volunteered and, and did things for other people. And that was uh, what got me going. And uh, we were doing Les Mis at the high school. And another person said, why isn't there a theater group 
in Hanover for the adults, because at that time there were theater groups for kids. There was theater for kids. There was nothing for adults after they left high school. And uh, so that's when we decided to start uh, uh, Hanover Community Players, and it went from there. Um, in 1991, I took a leave of a year from teaching school because I thought, well, I'm going to travel, and I did. I went to uh, Europe and uh, Ecuador. But I also thought, well, I wonder what there is at university. So I went down to University of Guelph and took technical theater for the year. I got half of a fine arts degree as well out of it. But um, I learned, you know, like I put myself in a position to learn, which is what, you know, gave me more uh, information. And uh, I did try acting. I've been on stage with some of the musicals. So I've seen it from that aspect as well. Um, you know, sort of the crowd scenes is where I get into. I did have one role on stage and uh, with the Walkerton County Town Players. And uh, I really found out that I'm not good. <laughs> I'm not good on stage, which is why I have, am doing backstage work now. And uh, so that's um, my backstage stuff is, is my best talent. And I enjoy, enjoy doing that. Now, I did get into directing. So there used to be a, a, uh, an organization called Theatre Ontario. And I took courses at Theatre Ontario. I took a stage managing course for one week down at Brock University. And uh, I took, uh, I've taken some directing courses through them. And uh, I got into directing some shows as well. And I was really happy when I directed my first musical, which was Burger Town for Hanover Community Players. So that was that was quite a feather in my cap to uh, to do that. So it's just get yourself involved um, and uh, make it work. You've, you've got to search out people, but they're there. There are courses and you don't have to uh, be looking for a career in theater. Um, I mean, it's too late for me to do that. But uh, if you're looking for a career in theater, then you go to college or university or you take off the wall courses and find out if it's what you want. Um, they have a production course that goes five weeks and you do all of the things. And quite often there are people there that go through that and then they start to get jobs as apprentices with the, um, with the uh, theater companies. So they get paid. So that's not open to me, but that is how I came through in, in theater. And uh, there's no reason why anyone else couldn't do the same thing. It's just uh, getting yourself involved and be willing to learn. Listen and learn is what uh, the uh, catchwords for theater. Listen and learn. Um, what would you say was your favorite play to create and put on? I, I was thinking about that and I can't tell you one. I've got, I think I've got three. Um, the first one, um, Bye Bye Birdie, obviously it is pretty much of a favorite because it was the first one he did. I mean, I can remember creating uh, giant styrofoam uh, telephones down on a bandsaw in uh, one of the rooms. <laughs> in one of the shops and, and things like this. So that one sticks in mind. And of course we had to bring in all the lighting because JDS, the old JDSS didn't have anything. And so it was that whole business of trying to turn that gym into a theater. And then by the time we did the second production, um, 
we did the pallets and built the theater up and stuff like that. So the first one's a favorite. The, the second one would be Fiddler on the Roof because I had a big hand in designing the set. We had, we built a house. The, the kids in the tech shops, in the wood shop, built the house, but I designed it. That it came out looking like a house and then opened up. And you could see inside and people could actually walk through the door and go inside and the tailor shop opened, swung open and you could see the old sewing machine and stuff like that. So there is a lot of uh, gizmos going on in there. And the other one was uh, Les Mis. Um, and I had a big hand in that one as well because I found the picture that I wanted for the background. And there was a talented lady in town and she painted this Paris scene at the back and it was wonderful. But the other thing was that um, the director was trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to do the barricades to make it look good? Because of course we had to build out the stage anyway. So we had that and I came up with the idea of the barricades. And when you looked at the stage, when everybody was on it, you couldn't see a barricade. But during the shooting, when they have the, the shooting and they're storming the barricades and everything like this, the stage goes black. And in 20 seconds, the stage crew behind the scenes turned flats around, brought another one from off stage, and so in three sections, and they went right across the stage. And of course there's flashes going and there's red and there's gunshots and things like this. And I had designed the barricades so and taught the kids, you walk over the barricade, you climb it because they were about uh, eight feet high. You climb the barricade and you go exactly in this place. And these kids were on the barricades and they died on the barricades and stuff. So that was a pretty favorable one too, because it got me started into uh, designing set. We were going to do Mamma Mia. I have the set all designed in miniature. Now I have to take it apart because we're doing all over it and the director wants this set model. So no one favorite. Every show has something in it that becomes your favorite, even when it's something that goes wrong and the audience never knows. Uh, in one play, uh, we had live flame on, and I thought it was safe because it was in a little baby food jar. And one of the... Um, actors they were wearing boas and it caught fire and i'm stage managing right in front of the stage it caught fire and um without missing a beat the young lady who was dancing and singing stomped on it and put it out and nobody knew that that's what happened oh my and, gosh yeah in joseph in the amazing technicolor dream code I, I was doing the same thing another one in I'm right down front of the stage and they had to stuff one of the brothers into a, into a barrel, which they did, but they accidentally caught his nose and he had this awful nosebleed and had to get off the stage. Well, he was in the next scene and everybody's going like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And uh, back in the green room, which, which was gym three, they, uh, one of the other cast members quickly put on uh, a costume and came out on stage and did the whole part and nobody knew that it was a different actor. Wow. That's some of the things that you love about theater. It's the yeah. things that can go wrong. And <laughs> the audience never knows. Yeah. And you're talking about all this set design and everything. And I'm just wondering <clears throat> how long does it take you to actually create a play and put it on and everything? Well, 
Um, it takes about, uh, from the start of it, six to seven months before you uh, put it on. Like we're doing all of her now. We're getting the production team together because we're going to audition people in May and you gotta be ready. Yeah. And uh, so it's six or seven months um, doing all of the background work and getting a rehearsal schedule. And I mean, you have to have a rehearsal schedule in order to get the space to rehearse in. And, and, um, and you've got to look at price too, because of course it's one of the, besides advertising facility rentals and as well as royalties and everything, those are the three big cost factors for us. So you have to do a rehearsal schedule and uh, you have to have that before auditions because it, you have to let people know who are auditioning, what they're getting into. Yeah. And we have a form of a contract. Uh, and for people under 16, they have to have their parents sign it because we need to have, you know, to know that parents are okay and all that. Stuff. So there's a ton of paperwork that goes through. Then you have to have the scripts and everything ready. So that takes six to seven months. So for this, for Oliver, uh, rehearsals will start in September, hopefully in the newly renovated theater. Um, and we will rehearse right up to the dress rehearsal, which is December, what, December, no, November 29th. Yeah. And they're rehearsing three times a week for a musical. For a play, we tend to do it uh, twice, twice a week. So a lot of, a lot of time. Um, is there a place like a website um, accessible to youth to apply if they'd like to audition or be a part of the theater crew? Yes, our website is uh, ca, and that will take you directly to our website. And if you look at the banner across the top, you'll see uh, things that say uh, upcoming auditions. And you just open that and you'll get the little menu and you'll be able to see what what's going on um the other thing is that uh, you can contact us directly by using the uh email address info at hanover community players.ca so that there's two you know two uh ways of uh seeing what's what's going on and uh, we'd really love to get people uh, young people involved because uh, a number of us are getting pretty long in the tooth to be doing this. Um, I mean, just finding people that will help to move set from our storage area. We paint it in a different and build it in a different place. And then it has to be moved into the theater and put together and youth involved with theater. That's one of the best ways of seeing how it all goes together. A lot of people go down and see big shows in the city and they have no idea how it goes together. And there's a, a lot of work there. Um, again, as I said, crews are the best way to get involved, taking courses and being a little bit knowledgeable. You don't have to know anything we teach. It's just like going in and learning on the job, you're apprenticing. Um, we've had people that have never held a screw gun before, but they learn how to screw a flat together or how to put on a stage jack. They learn the terms upstage and downstage and, and uh, all of those kinds of things. And uh, so just go through our website or contact us by email. 
Um, we tend to not have youth as ushers um, because uh, a lot of times our people are older and um, they like to see, you know, uh, older adults doing the ushering. But we're we need the the youth behind behind the scenes, and uh, so as a charity, we raise money as well by doing our productions. And the more people we have involved helping us out, the the bigger the productions we can we can do. I know that the town wants to uh, keep us around, but uh, unless we've got people to help us out and keep the board of director directors going. Um, we're going to have a problem. Now, we have for a number of years had a youth representative on our board, just the way you have youth trustees on the Board of Education. Uh, we have a youth, uh, we have a position for a, a youth who would like to attend our board meetings, find out what's going on, get involved. And what we've had is people who are involved in drama, who have a little bit more of a background, and then they, they work with their teachers, uh, for instance, and then come to us. They can start out as an assistant director and help someone else direct the play and you learn the directing. We've had students who have directed the Christmas productions. And we're not adverse to that because it's a great way to learn how to do a show. So lots of ways to get involved. You yeah. just have to reach out to us. Wow. And besides, like you talked about stage crew and you talked about taking courses. Is there any mm -hmm. other advice you would give to somebody who wants to get into theater? Um, that, that is pretty much it. Um, you have to have... You have to develop a passion for it to um, take you through in theater. You, you know that in Canada, you're not going to make a lot of money doing theater. So you make sure that uh, if you go to college or university, that you're taking some other courses, that if theater doesn't work out, you've got something else to do in your life and do theater part time, which is what a lot of Canadian people do. But, um, you know, do your schooling. Um, find out, take courses that will help you, you know, shop courses and, uh, and drama courses, things like that. And take a look. I was just looking up um, what courses are offered at Canadian, like Ontario colleges, the trades and technology and, and performance arts is where you would aim for if you want to be an actor. And Technical production is what you would aim for if you want to get into the behind the scenes things and they're teaching wonderful things there. So uh, you get your you get your education um, and uh, it's going to get you into theater. It's a lot of work, but if that's the direction you want to go, then I would suggest that you do that. Look at the educational aspect. If you want to just you know, do community theater, which is where a lot of actors, if you read their bios, some of the big actors on stage and that, um, you'll find out they started in community theater. They started out in amateur theater in high school, which is the best way to do it. Uh, start in high school and um, see how you can get involved and go from there. Okay, so that's all the questions we have. But to wrap up the interview, we're going to play a quick little game. 
where we say a quote from a play, and we're going to give you three options of which play the quote is from, and you're going to try and guess them correctly. Oh, I, I'm not good at that. <laughs> um, so the first quote is, in all the universe, nothing remains permanent and unchanged but the spirit. So it could either be A, the cherry orchard, B, the seagull, or C, three sisters. Well, it would just be a guess because I've seen none of them. I don't go to movies. Or okay. So I'm sorry, I can't answer. Okay. okay. Well, the answer was the seagull. Was it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I've never, it's one of the things I've never done. I will, I go down to Stratford and I see all the play, I see plays down there in St. Jacobs and stuff like this, but uh, my memory's like a sieve. Yeah. Okay. Well, the second quote is, if music be the food of love, play on. And the first option is A, as you like it. B, a Midsummer Night's Dream, or C, a Twelfth Night? Twelfth Night. I taught it for years. Yes, that is the correct answer. Um, the third one is, parting is such sweet sorrow that she will say goodnight till tomorrow. Is it A, Hamlet, B, Romeo and Juliet, or C, Othello? I guess it, Romeo and Juliet. It is correct, Romeo and Juliet. Um fourth quote is when we talk nothing is said communication is awful hard between people it is either a cat on a hot tin roof b the glass menagerie or c a streetcar named desire let's say the quote again for me please when we talk nothing is said communication is awful hard between people uh, glass menagerie it is actually cat on a hot tin roof is it really yes I've never seen them. <laughs> um, so those are all the questions we have for you today. Thank you for so much for um, letting us interview you. It was really interesting learning more about the plays you guys put on um, and how they work. Um, and to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time on What's Your 9 to 5. Thank you very much for inviting me.